Our image for this series is Daniel in the Lion's Den, an illustration of people trying to take control and who is actually in control. This particular painting is by Henry Oswa Tanner, a man whose faith in God kept his life in control in a world that was out of his control. To get away from the racist culture we have in the United States during his time and pursue his art, Henry Tanner moved from the United States to France. We don't often have an option like that to just collect our belongings and leave. Maybe you live in an area that's experiencing rioting or severe weather or is hard hit by the pandemic. It might be nice to just move somewhere else, but it's not always possible to leave family or find a new job or even have enough money in the bank to afford to move somewhere else. That's the same situation we see Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah over the next few weeks. They are in a society ready to put them to death, but they have nowhere else to go. Yet these men are never out of control because they have faith in the one who controls all. Today, our text is Daniel 2, 1 through 24. Daniel chapter 1 ended with a brief summary of Daniel's life, saying, how wise he became, how he entered the king's service, and served kings through the Babylonian, through the Medo-Persian Empire. Chapter 2, it seems to be going back and informing us about how Daniel gained his reputation as an interpreter of dreams, was seen as ten times wiser than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all the realm, and perhaps his first interview with King Nebuchadnezzar. We'll begin with verses 1 through 12. It says, In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams that troubled him, and sleep deserted him. So the king gave orders to summon the magicians, mediums, sorcerers, and Chaldeans to tell him, to tell the king his dreams. When they came and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream, and I'm anxious to understand it. The Chaldeans spoke to the king. Aramaic begins here. May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king replied to the Chaldeans, My word is final. If you don't tell me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a garbage dump. But if you make the dream and its interpretation known to me, you'll receive gifts, a reward, and great honor from me. So make the dream and its interpretation known to me. They answered a second time, May the king tell the dream to his servants, and we will make known the interpretation. The king replied, I know for certain you are trying to gain some time, because you see that my word is final. If you don't tell me the dream, there is one decree for you. You have conspired to tell me something false or fraudulent until the situation changes. So tell me the dream, and I will know that you can give me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king, No one on earth can make known what the king requests. Consequently, no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked anything like this of any magician, medium, or Chaldean. What the king is asking is so difficult that no one can make it known to him except the gods, whose dwelling is not with mortals. Because of this, the king became violently angry, 
and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. There are multitudes of books on dream interpretations, and I can't recommend even one. Scientists don't even really know why we dream, but it seems we need to dream. The whole brain works while while we dream, so our minds may be making connections with things that we know and have experienced that we might not be able to make while conscious. Also, and I say this literally, only God knows what kind of spiritual consciousness state a person might be open to while dreaming. Many religions throughout time and geographies have placed importance on dream messages. I'll say this one thing to start with application. We shouldn't ignore our dreams. There may be, uh, they may be at least a source of inspiration, but we also shouldn't direct our lives by our dreams, especially since God has already placed so many facts and revelation right in front of us. In our text today, we have King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon who has had a dream. It's a dream that had enough impact that he remembered it when he woke up and he felt it was important. He likely felt it was a message from a God. Even though I'm a pastor, some people might look at me with suspicion if I said, last night I believe God spoke to me in my dreams. We don't generally view dreams as fact and our society doesn't all agree that there is even a divine person that could or would speak to humans in dreams. However, my making the claim of God speaking to me in a dream is actually less suspect to some because as a pastor, it's part of my calling to be in prayer, to study the scriptures, and to give God's message to people. Nebuchadnezzar as king also has religious leadership in his nation. He's not just a political leader like an American president. He would also... Uh, be considered a mediator between the God and the people. His priests, wise men, magicians, and conjurers are not just there to give him political counsel or govern his provinces. Their job is to help him walk effectively among gods and the people. So while King Nebuchadnezzar might receive the message from a god, he needs advisors to assist him in understanding the message. And Nebuchadnezzar is also not dumb. He wants to make sure his advisors give him the correct interpretation of the dream. If any of you told me your dream, I could make up any interpretation I wanted to for that dream. And Nebuchadnezzar doesn't want any of his counselors just making up an interpretation. The wise men could talk to each other behind the scenes to make sure that they all give the same interpretation. So this is Nebuchadnezzar's test. The only way he can be sure that his wise men give the correct interpretation is that they also tell him the dream. If God can reveal to them the dream, then God is also able to reveal to them the interpretation. This is a foolproof test, but one that his wise men say is impossible to pass. Verses 10 and 11 say, The Chaldeans answer the king, No one on earth can make known what the king requests. Consequently, no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked anything like this of any magician, medium, or Chaldean. What the king is asking is so difficult that no one can make it known to him except the gods whose dwelling is not with mortals. 
They say no king have, has ever asked this level of a test and no type of wise person can pass this test. The only person who could pass this test is a God and gods do not walk with people. Now who is the one person in this kingdom who supposedly does walk with the gods? The king. Now we see why Nebuchadnezzar responds so harshly, commanded that all his wise men be killed. What they have said to him is, you may have received the message from God, but if you can't interpret it, then you are not the mediator between God and the people. They have challenged his right to be king, because a king should be able to hear and understand the gods. My hearing is not as good as when I was younger. I used to go in for a hearing test and the technician would put on the headphones and after a while he'd say, you're a musician, aren't you? Because I could hear all these really high-pitched tones. But now I have to tell the ladies that live in my house, my wife and daughters, if you're going to speak to me, don't turn away from me, walking away from me, and don't mumble. If you want me to actually hear what you're saying, um, I need you to face me. Now, they don't have to talk to me at all, but if they are going to talk to me, I need that compassion because my ears have become old. Nebuchadnezzar is also in need of compassion because he is not the mediator he believed he was. It's only because of the compassion of God that humanity receives any messages from God. God debates if he should reveal things to Abraham, his chosen person, to start his nation. In Genesis 8:17 it says the Lord said, "Should I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do?" The Lord chooses to speak the message to Abraham, and that allows for compassion to be shown to Lot. In Exodus 3:1 through 10, when God speaks to Moses at the burning bush, we see that God always hears, but God only speaks when and to whom he wants. Hebrews 1:1 1, 1 and 2 tells us this. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. That's saying that God spoke to many heroes in the Bible, the patriarchs, the prophets and kings, sometimes with a voice, sometimes in a vision, sometimes in a dream, usually through the prophets. But the final message of God came to us through the Son, the one we know as Jesus of Nazareth. He spoke with his words, his actions, and his actions to reveal the salvation of God. He healed, he preached, he died, he rose to life again. God can speak to anyone, but the only true mediator can reveal God's truth. It may be a shock to realize we are or I am not as great as I thought I was. But by the compassion of God, I can also realize who Jesus is. So let's continue with Daniel 2:13 through 16, which says, The decree was issued that the wise men were to be executed, and they searched for Daniel and his friends to execute them. Then Daniel responded with tact and discretion to Ar- Arach, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon. He asked Arach, the king's officer, why is the decree from the king so harsh? Then Arach explained the situation to Daniel. So Daniel went and asked the king to give him some time 
so that he could give the king the interpretation. Let's dig more into this idea of a mediator. Nebuchadnezzar is not the mediator. Jesus had not come to earth yet. And so does Nebuchadnezzar and the people of Babylon have someone who can speak to God and hear from the gods for them? All the wise men of Babylon are to be executed, including Daniel and, and his friends. Arak, the, capital of the, the captain of the king's guard, get, gets to Daniel's house, and Daniel responds with tact and discretion, wise words. And all the wise men don't even know why they're being executed. Daniel doesn't fight the captain of the guard. He asks, what's going on? Daniel gets filled in on what has happened with the dream and the test. Daniel, of course, wants to live, but he asks for time to interpret so that everyone can live, so that Babylon can thrive. Daniel doesn't say, I'll interpret the dream so that the king will spare my life. He doesn't just say, spare the lives of me and my friends. Daniel stands as mediator for all the wise men of Babylon and the whole nation. Because how would the nation fare if all the wise men were killed? Daniel gives us a picture of the true mediator, Jesus, who himself stands between God and sinful people who are under the sentence of death. As in chapter 1, Daniel is again asking for time to be tested. Ten days he was tested with food, and God showed himself faithful and compassionate. Now again, Daniel asks for time to be tested. Daniel has no guarantee that God will reveal the dream and the interpretation to him, but he wants time to ask for it so that people will live. We don't know how much time Daniel was given. Having time to test things is important. I'm personally concerned about the rush to make a vaccine for COVID-19. We have a history in our country of testing vaccines and experimental procedures on minorities and institutionalized people. So this is scary to me. Go read about what the government did to men at Tuskegee to understand what I'm talking about. Under normal circumstances and procedures, we might have a vaccine by November of 2034. But the push is to have a vaccine by August of 2021, if not sooner. As best I could find out from credible sources, the death rate from COVID-19 is 0.6% on average. It's, of course, higher for those with more risk factors. But 0.6% is not very high in my mind. So more time to properly test a vaccine would seem reasonable. Now, I'm not telling anyone what to do with their own health, I'm just sharing my feelings knowing our country's history and how people are driven by greed and also because I'm reasonably healthy. I'm personally more fearful of a rushed vaccine than I am of contracting COVID-19. However, 0.6% is also 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu. And we make flu vaccines. See, when death is on the line, we start to rethink our tests and our timelines. When death is on the line, we better have a doctor, an advisor, a scientist, a mediator that is trustworthy. I think Daniel may be teaching us to adjust our expectations. First, adjust our expectations about dying. One of the reasons we like to read the book of Daniel is because of the great miracles. 
if you know these stories, you know Daniel is not going to get killed here or in the lion's den, nor any of them in the fiery furnace. But Hebrews 11 tells us that most of the prophets were killed brutally. I believe God can and will do miracles and that God can save me from all things, including COVID. But it may be that in my witness to faith, I may die. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were all aware that it is only by God's compassion that we are not killed, burned, imprisoned, or eaten by lions. It's only by God's compassion that I may be used miraculously. Second, I need to adjust my expectations about living. I'm sure there were some people that just expected to die when the king's order was given, and some of them probably did either at the hand of the king's guard, or maybe they killed themselves. We don't know, but we know that Daniel tried his best to live and to give life to others. As I said, COVID-19 is scary, but don't stop living. Don't stop being a source of life for others. Now's not the time to be hiding from our neighbors. It's the time to love and serve them. Now's not the time to abandon the faith, but the time to be spreading the faith. So far as it depends on me, I'm not going to give COVID-19 to anyone, but I am going to give people Jesus. The most encouraging stories I'm hearing over the last six months are not about people recovering from sickness, but people coming to the church or to Christians for help and those people coming to faith in Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, my priority is not just saving myself or my own family and friends. Like Jesus and like Daniel, I need to have compassion for every person. If I'm going to live as a follower of Jesus, I must adjust my expectations about dying and living. But in that adjustment, here's a hopeful fact. God wants people to live. Let's finish Daniel 1, 17 through 24. Then Daniel went to his house and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter, urging them to ask the God of heavens for mercy concerning this mystery. So God and his friends would not, excuse me, so Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of Babylon's wise men. The mystery was then revealed to Daniel in a vision at night, and Daniel praised the God of the heavens and declared, May the name of God be praised forever and ever. For wisdom and power belong to him. He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what's in the darkness and light dwells within him. I offer thanks and praise to you, God of my fathers, because you have given me wisdom and power. And now you have let me know what we asked of you. For you have let us know the king's mystery. Therefore, Daniel went to Arach, whom the king had assigned to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He came and said to him, Don't destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me before the king, and I will give him the interpretation. And in this is mercy. Daniel informs his friends of the dire situation and gets them to pray. They do not necessarily ask God specifically to reveal the dream and interpretation, but instead ask God for mercy concerning the mystery of the dream. Mercy, 
compassion so that Daniel and his friends and all the wise men of Babylon will not be killed. They're not limiting how the God of the heavens may choose to work. God could reveal the mystery to Daniel. God could also cause Nebuchadnezzar to relent from the punishment. God could choose to kill Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel doesn't even know if the dream Nebuchadnezzar had is from God or from a demon god such as Marduk, whom Nebuchadnezzar worships. Or Nebuchadnezzar may have just had a nightmare. Why ask God for a dream interpretation when the problem may have been that Nebuchadnezzar ate some bad lamb right before bed? But in the night, God reveals the mystery to Daniel in a vision. Daniel doesn't dream the same dream as Nebuchadnezzar because a vision is for those who are awake. Daniel, presumably while praying, gains insight from God that is impossible to obtain otherwise. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, For who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So it is God who reveals this to Daniel. Upon receiving this knowledge from God, Daniel praises God. He describes God as the one who is worthy of praise forever. So God is eternal. God has all power and wisdom. God controls the the earth's seasons. God controls kings, either establishing them or removing them. And recall, that might have been Nebuchadnezzar's fear, that he was being removed as king. Daniel gives thanks to God because God does not keep all of his attributes to himself. God gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those with understanding. This seems to me to be God increasing a person's capacity because Daniel was chosen to serve in Babylon because he already showed wisdom and understanding. God as the illumination and life of all things um, has nothing hidden from him. And to those pursuing wisdom and compassion, God can reveal things that cannot be seen without divine eyes. Daniel thanks God for doing this for them, and then he goes to Arak, the guard assigned to execute all the wise men, and asks to be brought before the king to give the interpretation. Learning. You know, as a parent, one of my concerns is the education of my children. My kids are already smart, but unless they are consistently connected to a greater source of knowledge, growth will not happen. I can certainly teach them some things that I know, but I think I do a better job of reinforcing lessons taught by someone with more expertise and training, you know, especially when the subject areas are math, social studies, and science. A cool thing that has happened uh, during the pandemic is that people with various expertise in you know, education, music, recreation, whatever someone wants to study, are making themselves more available online. It used to be I couldn't know for sure who was calling themselves an expert on YouTube. Now I can see that there are people there with PhDs and real certifications offering to teach for free. My brother is doing some amazing teaching online. For me, you know, one of the things I have left over from college is a bow staff. I barely know how to use this. I took one semester of Chinese martial arts in college and We didn't really have time to even learn one kata. But now I can go on YouTube and learn from someone who's been trained. 
I won't earn a black belt that way, but I learned some cool tricks by tapping into a source of knowledge and experience. Like Daniel, I need to recognize who is the true source of knowledge, wisdom, illumination, eternal life, and compassion if I want to have any of those virtues myself. If I want to have control of life, I better tap into the source of the one whom Daniel says controls everything from the seasons of the earth to the rulers of nations and is the source of life. If I'm connected to that source, while I personally might not be able to drastically affect, say, climate change or who becomes president, I can be assured that the God of heaven and earth can. No matter how many books I read, I can't revitalize a church congregation, but I serve a compassionate God who gives wisdom and raises the dead. Control is not about me thinking more of myself, like Nebuchadnezzar, but thinking more of God and relying on God's power, wisdom, life, and compassion to empower me. Transformation for a country and especially transformation for a church and an individual follower of Jesus happens when ensuring other people are saved becomes more important than saving myself. Let's pray from Psalm 145, a psalm that sounds much like the prayer of Daniel. I praise you, my God, the King, and I bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. The Lord is great and highly praised, his greatness unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts, and I will declare your greatness. All will give a testimony of your, of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and great in faithful love. Amen. As you reflect on this message, think of one thing that resonated with you, one thing that challenged you, one thing you want to learn more about, and one thing you will do based on what you have heard. I leave you with this blessing. Hear the word of the Lord. In favor, I will show you compassion so that men may bring you the wealth of nations. In favor, I will enlighten the eyes of your heart, that you may fully understand the hope to which he called you, even the glorious inheritance of the saints.